0: This is Long Story Short from the Connecticut Mirror and WSHU Public Radio. I'm Ebong Udama. An absentee ballot scandal in Bridgeport highlights a strategic battle among Democrats for mayor.
1: In Bridgeport, it is a door-to-door fight to sign people up for absentee ballots.
0: That's Andrew Brown, Connecticut Mirror's investigative reporter. He and the Mirror's data reporter, Jose Luis Martinez, give us a behind-the-scenes look at their analysis of the huge number of absentee ballots that played a role in the yet-to-be-determined September Democratic Party primary for mayor in Bridgeport. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Hamilton, executive editor of the Connecticut Mirror. Local journalism has struggled in Connecticut in recent years. It continues to struggle nationally. But CT Mirror is growing thanks to 2,200 donors who embrace our mission of informing Connecticut about public policy and holding government and candidates accountable to their constituents. If you want to be part of a Connecticut journalism success story, please make a gift to CT Mirror today. Just click the red Donate button on the top right of any CT Mirror page. Hello, Andrew. I was in court with you covering mayoral candidate John Gomes' challenge to Bridgeport Mayor Joe Gannon's win of September's Democratic primary, which was decided by about 251 absentee votes. Judge William Clark found that the primary was marred by shocking evidence of blatant ballot harvesting. Is that what prompted you to dig into this story and and try and find out more about the city's absentee ballot process?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was widely reported at the time as kind of a national story that it was shocking that a judge would set it aside an entire election based on video evidence of people depositing absentee ballots into drop boxes. So the question that my colleagues, including Jose and I had was, what is the absentee process like in Bridgeport? And essentially what happened before the video evidence captured people putting absentee ballots into drop boxes or allegedly doing so? And so we we set out to do that, to try to figure out what that system looks like and essentially who was most involved in driving absentee ballots. Votes in Bridgeport.
0: Now, there were 4,300 ballots that were submitted in court as evidence. That's where you started from, Jose, from those 4,300 ballots, and then you traced how they came about?
2: Yeah, you know, we had to really get organized. We had dozens of PDFs that were submitted as evidence into court each of them with hundreds, sometimes even thousands of pages. And so we made a plan, you know, it wasn't just, you know, Andy and I was our other colleagues, you know, Katie Govala, our editor Kayla, and reporter Dave Altamari. So we all spent weeks just digitizing these forms, you know, going field by field and putting them into a spreadsheet so that we can prepare them for analysis.
0: Okay, so what did the analysis find?
2: So what we found was, some of the people that were caught on surveillance video were not the only ones that were you know involved in signing people up to vote for absentee there were a lot of other people you know that were involved in politics in Bridgeport that were assisting these voters we saw that from the time that an applicant signs one of these applications for ab from that moment to the moment it's submitted to the clerk It's, you know, sometimes taking over a month. And, you know, we just looked at the signature date and the clerk receipt date, which is a stamp on that application. That's just one of the few things that we found.
0: What's the typical process for uh, absentee ballot? And what was the discrepancy that you found in the process as it was practiced in Bridgeport?
1: So in Connecticut, the normal process for someone voting absentee is they fill out an application for an absentee ballot, send it to the local town clerk's office. That application is processed. And a ballot, an absentee ballot, is mailed out to that voter at their home address. From there, the voter themselves, with no other help out from political activists, is supposed to fill out the ballot and mail it back in to the clerk's office. They can also use those drop boxes to deposit them in person or they can walk into the clerk's office and hand it directly to local election officials. What we found is that the absentee application process, the process that happens before ballots go out, in Bridgeport, it is a door-to-door fight to sign people up for absentee ballots. There were over 300 instances in which a voter had more than one application signed in their name. In some instances, there were voters who had three applications for an absentee ballot submitted to local election officials. It just shows how relentless the push for absentee votes was in the city. And, you know, we saw, especially in low-income housing units and elderly apartment complexes, there were dueling campaigns that essentially were targeting the same people. These people were being visited by two or three people ahead of the primary election to sign them up for an absentee vote. And that is all legal in Connecticut. That is all legal. What is not legal is assisting someone in filling out a ballot or taking their ballot and delivering it to City Hall once it is complete. Political activists should not be involved in that process yet. That's what the surveillance videos allegedly show.
0: On those surveillance videos, most prominent was Wanda Jeter Pataki. Who is she and what did your analysis find as far as what role she played in the whole process
1: wanda peter pataki is the vice chairwoman of bridgeport's democratic party she is also a city employee who worked as a essentially a receptionist or a clerk at the front desk in city hall she was the first person to be shown on surveillance video essentially placing ballots into a drop box or allegedly doing so what our analysis found is that she was the most prominent person involved in the absentee ballot push ahead of the election. Wanda signed 537 of the applications for an absentee ballot, which is, there's a signature at the bottom, means it means that she essentially assisted the voters in filling out that form. So it just shows for the first time, really the scope of how many voters she was in contact with ahead of the election, personally. She met them face to face, she helped them fill out these applications.
0: Um, 537 voters.
1: At least. At least. There, you know, there are other forms that show similarities of how she filled out her forms, but there were only, you know, her signature is, is definitely on 537 applications. And so she was the most prominent example of this small army of people who went out door to door getting people to sign up for an absentee ballot ahead of the election. So while she's drawn a lot of the attention because of her video was the first to emerge out of City Hall, it is fair to say that she was the most prominent player in the push for absentee vote.
0: What are the principals, Joe Gannon, the incumbent mayor, and his opponent, John Gomes, what are they saying about this? Considering that they're going up against each other, the judges ordered a new primary for January 23rd. Is this still the process? Are we still going through the same process of harvesting of absentee ballots?
1: I mean, you would think that no one would be, after all of this, after the court cases, after the testimony in court, after the video surveillance, you would think that nobody would be illegally assisting someone in filling out a ballot or in taking their vote. The process for signing people up, however, is, is largely going to stay the same. It's legal for operatives to help people sign up for a ballot, not to assist them in actually completing it. The one major change that we will see in Bridgeport ahead of this election in January is the time frame that applications for absentee ballots become available in Bridgeport. The judge in that case has restricted it to a roughly three-week period, which is a huge difference from the The primary that took place in September. What our analysis showed is that Wanda, Jeter Pataki, and other people essentially started signing people up for absentee ballots for the September primary as early as June. So they had a three to four month window in which they were circulating these applications. That's gonna have to happen for this January election within three weeks.
0: Also, your analysis found that not all applications were submitted. They held onto these ballots and submitted them gradually. Could you just tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, so when we digitize these applications, where the applicant signs the form at the bottom, there's also, they also have to sign the date. So that's when they signed the application. Now there's also a stamp on these forms and that's the clerk stamp. And it also has the date, so when they received it. So we calculated the difference between that signature date to the clerk stamps date to find out how much time each application was taking to be submitted to the clerk's office. And we grouped them by whoever assisted in that application. So, for example, for some of these folks, we saw that their applications—the median number of days from that signature date to the clerk receipt date—was you know over you know over a month sometimes. And we chose the median just because we don't want to skew any numbers that have extreme number of days. So we thought the median statistic was a good value to portray to readers.
0: Okay, uh, and Andrew, I was with you on election night at Ganem's campaign headquarters. <laughs> And we were together when Ghanem came on stage and said, it's not over until the absentee ballots are counted. And it will take a while to count the absentee ballots. So it seemed as if there was already an acknowledgement from the campaign that this was going to be decided by the absentee ballot count. The mechanism seems to have been in place to make sure that the difference would be made. By the absentee ballot count, it seems. I
1: I think that the Ganem campaign at that time—you and I were both there. There were multiple people who essentially said, "Don't worry about the in-person vote count or how many votes were down. We're confident right now." Ganem stood there on that stage and said, "We're confident." Again, even if you set aside the surveillance videos of people dropping absentee ballots into the drop boxes, there was reason for that. There were multiple people at that party around Ganem who had spent again three to four months driving or assisting voters. In this absentee votes, there was a huge amount of focus placed on absentee votes. So they had a pretty good recognition one, how many votes they might be able to rely on. And that provided confidence, right? If you're down by a couple hundred votes and you went door knocking and people said they supported you and then you helped them fill out an application for an absentee ballot. That's pretty good indication that you may have enough to overcome the in-person vote. And that is what Bridgeport is now, that this isn't the first election. The primary in January is not the first election. That absentee votes swung, essentially, or decided the victor. And that's because, again, these campaigns place a huge amount of effort and a huge amount of focus on making sure that absentee voters, a large number of voters vote absentee.
0: And 22 percent, almost 23 percent of the votes are counted in the primary were absentee of absentee votes. Correct. And what is that compared to the rest of the state?
2: Yeah, compared to the rest of the state, for those 2023 primaries, the town with the largest share after Bridgeport is Hartford at 15%. And then it just goes down from that 12%, 11%. So Bridgeport had far more, you know, over what, the 23, so over a fifth of votes really came from absentee votes. The only town.
0: Wow. Okay, well, we're looking forward to another primary in January. And uh, I'm sure you guys will be digging into the, n- into the numbers and looking at how this plays out. But it's really fascinating that you did this study and really appreciate that uh, you were able to join us. Thank you, Andrew. And thank you, Jose.
1: We'll see you on the campaign, trail, Bob.
0: Okay. Take care. Long Story Short is hosted by me, Ebon Udana, and produced by Molly Ingram. Harriet Jones is our editor. WSHU's Alicia Dodario and the Connecticut Mirror's Gabby D. Benedictus are our digital team. This podcast is a collaboration between the Connecticut Mirror and WSHU Public Radio. We go behind the scenes at the home of public policy journalism in Connecticut. More can be found online at ctmirror.org and wshu.org Our episodes can be found wherever you get your podcasts.